I trust God for my decisions, and that's how I've always made decisions. And, you know, I just said, this is what I believe is right, and this is the path I went down. And this is just great satisfaction when you give people a different way to look at things. Welcome to this week's edition of First Person with today's guest, speaker, and author, Diana Boer. I'm Wayne Shepherd, inviting you to listen to the conversation, which will begin in just a moment. First Person is here each week at this time, introducing you to people who tell us their story of faith and calling. Some of the names you'll recognize and some you won't, but you'll always hear how God has directed their steps. We have a companion website which can be of great help to you in providing additional information to what you hear in this program. It's firstpersoninterview.com. And when you go online, you'll be able to follow links to today's guest as well as see the schedule of upcoming conversations, firstpersoninterview.com. Diana Boer is a recognized communications and productivity expert who helps both individuals and businesses understand how to communicate clearly and effectively for results. Diana is the author of dozens of books and is in demand as a speaker. She's also a follower of Christ, and I began by asking her to describe her work. Well, we have a communication training firm where we go into client organizations and they do two-day workshops on communication topics like business writing and presentation skills. But primarily what I do is go in and speak at corporation uh, events, do keynote speeches, speeches, and then I write. I've I've done 46 books, so I spend my time behind the computer most of the time if I'm not on the road traveling to speak. Yeah, I was just looking at that list of books you've written. It it is remarkable, uh, and they they run the gamut, don't they? Communication and writing, though, is basically your theme. Right. um, Communication's a really broad umbrella, so it could be anything from, uh, like you said, speaking skills to technical writing to running effective meetings to personal presence and executive presence, it's, you know, that's a key meetings. It's a really broad field when you think about it. Communication is the, the everything that holds relationships together, so that's pretty broad. <laughs> All right, I can't have Diana Boer on the line and not ask for some advice, so let's, let's <laughs> right, right out of the block here today, give me a, a piece of advice on how to communicate with, uh, with a coworker. I would say, keep your mouth shut. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Wait a minute, I talk for a living. How can I do that? <laughs> you know, most people do think about communicating by what I need to say. You know, be, be charming, witty, rather than listen. And really, that's the way to a person's heart, is yeah. to listen to what they have to say and show interest. And it's just as old as time, but it's true. Well, the Lord has really gifted you, and I, I do want to hear that story of how you got started in doing what you did. You set out in life to become what you've become now. Absolutely not. I, I did not do that. I, I taught school one year, but I did not find out what the Lord had in store for me until I was twenty-seven. I became a believer when I was nine years old because I grew up in a Christian home, and and I came to faith, it was very easy because my parents modeled what it meant to be a believer, and I you know, realized that, that I couldn't get to heaven on my parents' faith, and I realized you know, that, that it was a personal relationship back then. 
but I, I felt God calling me for something special when I was 16, but I didn't know what it was. I went down in front of my church and made it public that I felt like God was calling me for something special at 16. And everybody said, oh, you're going to marry a preacher. And I, <laughs> you know, that's not the kind of thing you announce on a first date. Hey, hey, <laughs> hey I'm going to marry a preacher, a missionary. Yeah, that, that, that tends to run them off, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. But uh, I, my husband... It, I discovered immediately when we got married, he was struggling with mental illness, a a severe, severe depression, and he did not work very, very long. And I had two small children. He was in and out of of, uh, psychiatric ward hospitals, and I knew that I was going to be supporting our kids. And I went to the education director at our church, and I said, I am going to be making us a living, and I... I can't do it on a teacher's salary. I need to know what I can do to make a living. And he said, well, what do you like to do? And I said, well, I, I, I like to write, but I how can you make a living? He said, wait, 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 wait. I didn't ask you how, how you can make a living. I asked you what you like to do. Hmm. And I said, but how can you earn money? <laughs> I, I like to write compositions in English class. He said, I, again, you're missing the point. Find what you like to do, and then you will figure out how to do that. So I went down to the public library, you know, it was a day before Internet, sure. checked out all the books that I could find in the 800 section on how to make a living writing, piled them in the back of my car, about 60 books, went home and read around the clock for about three weeks and figured out how to, I didn't even know anybody who was a writer, and figured out how to write and um it was actually how I figured out how to send in a manuscript and the whole thing. But really, knowing that that was God's will for my life, one night when I was uh, 27, my husband was in the hospital. I, he had um, been there three days, and I thought, I've got to sleep. I, I've just got to find out what I'm going to do. I got my Bible. I went into the, the living room. I sat down, and I said, you know, guys, this is what you want me to do, I, I just got to have an answer. And it was just as clear as a bell, you know, that he said, right. And I went in the next morning and resigned my teacher's job. Mm, <laughs> wow. It was in the middle of the year. And um, this, the principal said, well, conveniently, they have a, I was teaching Spanish. And he said, they have a teacher's meeting tonight. And he, he offered my resignation. I said, there's going to be a problem with him accepting it. And he said, uh, well, no, it's just a formality. If you want out of the contract, the semester's up in three weeks, and I'm sure they'll accept it. I've never heard of him refusing an ex- a resignation. And so I'm driving into school the next morning at this, in the school district, and I heard them come on, and they said uh, the school board last night re- voted to refuse Diana Boomer's <laughs> resignation. <laughs> And I walked in, and I'm, oh, you know, Lord, I heard you say you want me to do this. And I, I was just totally confused. I mean, totally confused. Four days later, in my conference period, Prince sends a note in, says, come to see me on your conference period. I walked down there, and he said, I just got a call. The reason they had, had um, refused my resignation, there was nobody in the district who could teach English, uh, Spanish. Oh, okay. And that, that's why they weren't letting me out of the contract. And so he said... I've just gotten a call. A lady is moving back to our district. Her mom is sick, and she wants to move back here. She teaches Spanish. They're mm. letting you out of your contract. <laughs> so, so it was, it was, a, it was a brief test, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it was, and it was that confirmation that, that you know the Lord was saying, this is what I want you to do. So they let me out of the contract, and I've been writing books ever since. Yeah. 
but you do so in a way that helps business and people in business and ministry in such a, a specific way. How did you focus in on that? Well, I um, a friend said, uh, you know, we sure could use help out at Shell Oil. He was uh, an executive at Shell Oil. He made an appointment with the uh, HR person, and I went out and I said, hey, I've I've put together a book on business writing, and I'd like to um, talk to you about it. Do your engineers need help? And she said, they sure do. And uh, I got that first class. They read it. It, it was, happened to be uh, Shell Oil. And they rated it uh, one of their highest classes that ever had. And once you, you get in with one company, they passed my name to then Enron. And Enron handed it to um, to Exxon. And I just I started in the oil and gas industry. And the book uh, was published. It came out. And I that, my publisher sent me on an author tour. They saw me on TV. And IBM called me. And IBM handed my name off. And, you know, away I was going. Sounds like a pretty humble beginning. Uh, did it take a long time to get established? Uh, actually, it didn't. Uh, I just that that's a skill that a lot of people don't have. They just they have trouble with uh, with business and technical writing. And uh, so once I did that, then they said, "Well, you know, the the, the skills in organizing your writing well are the same skills you need when you present. Can you come up and talk to us about uh, presenting orally?" And I, I started there at IBM, and so IBM, again, served as a great reference in the oil companies, Exxon, Mobile, you can't get much bigger than that, and they served as a great reference. And uh, once it's word of mouth, those communities are large companies, they're small, a knit group of the key decision makers, and once you get those executives to say, we saw a great before and after, and they handed my name off, and I've just been working. And we've, you know, I have other trainers that go out now, work uh, word of mouth. Mm. And um, well, I want to talk more about that in a few mm-hmm. minutes because your life offers great lessons in entrepreneurship and taking the initiative. But I want to take you back for just a moment. To you said you were 16 when you felt the Lord wanted you to do something special, and then later you you felt the Lord really uh, specifically called you out of teaching. And I think it might be helpful for you to draw those lessons out a little bit for people who are listening, who are kind of scratching their head about what God wants them to do right now. Okay. All right. Uh, I think that actually, um, I actually wrote a couple of books on that because I think so many people ask me about that after I do a keynote speech and they come up and say, well, how do you know? You know, I think sure. God's calling me to do this. And I, I put together what I call the six P's for for knowing and, and being sure that God's calling you. One, I think, is uh, power tools, power tools and provisions. I think he equips you with the skill to do something. He gives you natural talents. Your personality traits hedge you in that direction, and the spiritual gifts. All of those are what I consider sort of your power tools Mm -hmm. to to do what he asks you to do. And then I think he gives you the um, the passion to do it. In other words, you the want to. He doesn't give you the gifting to sing, for example, but then you don't like to sing. <laughs> he doesn't give you the gift to to be creative in some way to for art or to do cabinetry or whatever. And then you think, gee, I don't like to do it. Most of us do things that we like to do, even in our spare time. So if you think about what would I do if they didn't even pay me to do it. And and many of us do that as a hobby or or whatever. Mm -hmm. If you think about those those really 
fun times where you just lose sense of time. And you think, you know, I was looking at my clock and it was 6 o'clock at night and all of a sudden I looked up and it was 10 o'clock in time to go to bed. And you just enjoy it so much. That's a good inclination that God may be leading you in that direction. More of today's conversation with Diana Boer coming up on this edition of First Person. Stay tuned. Next week, we'll talk with Greg Yoder of Mission Network News about ministry in Russia. Much of the hope that kids have had, especially older children, because very few older children are adopted in Russia, they've lost hope. You can see it in their eyes. When I was just there this last summer, they know they don't have any hope, and uh, it's very sad. Greg and his adopted Russian daughter join us to talk about Project Hope next time on First Person. My guest today is Diana Boer, the founder of Boer Consultants, and uh, you've most likely seen or read one or more of Diana's books. I think you said there are more than 40, almost 50 books you've written, Diana? 46, you're right. 46 books. That's <laughs> unbelievable for someone who didn't start out uh, with that uh, passion in life. You mentioned passion as the second P a few moments ago. Can we pick up that list of how you know God is leading you to something? Uh, yes, that uh, I mentioned the, having the power tools and provisions and the passion, and I think the third P I've called the, you have the the plot to build on to build your career, your signature life, the the plot of opportunity or the path that's leading to it. And by that I mean some sometimes people say, well, I can't do what God's calling me to do because I don't have the opportunity. You know, I have small kids and I have to stay at home, or uh, gee, I, I have to stay here because my my parents are elderly and I need to take care of them. Therefore. I can't move to Seattle or Atlanta or whatever. Well, that's a sure sign that maybe this is not the year in your life that God's asking you to do that. Because if God is calling you to do something, He's in control of the circumstances. And He's in control of the timing of your life. So maybe it's not just exactly the right time. Maybe you need to go through some preparation time. Maybe you need to meet certain people. But if He's calling you to do something... He'll give you the, the, the plot of opportunity or the path that leads to it. So if he's calling you, if, if he's not calling you to do that, then obviously there's no opportunity to do it. If he wants you to do it, he will, he will lead you to meet the people. He will give you opportunity to go to school. He will give you the training you need to get there and control the circumstances. And then I think once you find that calling... Sometimes, like I mentioned earlier in my background, you need that affirmation that, that this is the right job, this yes. is the right position, you're on the path. And I think the way you get that affirmation, what I call the fourth P, is that there is praise from others because they recognize that gift. And I don't mean that you're you're working for that praise. You know, that's not what you want is right. everybody yeah, patting you on the back. You don't want to become addicted to the affirmation, do you? <laughs> right, right. But others see you exercise that gift. You know, that you get people come up and say, you know, the way you handle that irate customer is just amazing. I mean, I couldn't calm him down, but you did. In other words, they see the results of you exercising your gift, or maybe you're singing, and they say, you know, you just blessed my heart by the way you sang that song. So they see God working in what you do. And then I think positive results, what what you do turns out. Let's say you have a knack for um, negotiation, and you're always able, maybe you're fundraising, and you're 
charity and and people just give you money. You know, <laughs> they give you gifts. And that's and so you see that you have that gift and God blesses your effort. So that's another po- the positive results that you get when you exercise your gift that God's calling you to do. And then I think the final P is just peace. You feel things are right. You know mm-hmm. you're in the center of God's will because there's peace in your heart. You're not struggling anymore. You're not out there thinking, what am I doing, you know, here? You, you just feel good and you feel satisfaction in what you're doing. I want everyone to know that these are unrehearsed conversations. And I didn't tell you ahead of time that I would be asking you about those six Ps, but you had them right there on the tip of your tongue. Yes, I, I've had to go through those many times to to confirm and uh, with people because they they frequently come up after a speech. I think this is a longing in people's heart to know I'm in the center of God's will. I want to be doing what He wants me to do. And when I when I speak at churches, that's just probably a fourth of the group seems to be seeking. Yeah. to know that they're in the right spot. And sometimes when they're in a secular job, as opposed to a, what we call, quote, a Christian vocation, they feel like they're not serving God. Mm-hmm. But they are, mm-hmm. because there's no job that's not, quote, a Christian <laughs> vocation, because God sends us out into many places, yeah. in many positions, and we're to influence the people we're around. And sometimes they just need to see that. They just need to have their eyes open to see what their ministry is in the position or, or job they hold. Where does the, uh, the P word prayer come into that list? I think that prayer is part of our awareness, uh, getting closer in touch with God so we hear Him when He says, this is the path I'm leading you to. This is your plot of opportunity. Or prayer helps us see that this is the positive results we're having. Sometimes we're having positive results, but we don't see it. And so when we pray, God reveals to us, hey, here's the positive results over here you're not even aware of. Or when we pray, then we get that peace that sometimes we're creating the the stress in our own life because we're not in prayer or in touch. So I think prayer encompasses all of those other steps and all the other piece that I talked about, yeah. not being aware, even, you know, the first P that I mentioned, the, the power tools mm-hmm. and provisions, sometimes we, we have to, we're not even aware of our spiritual gifts. I run into people who don't know their spiritual gift, and I think prayer is part of determining what your spiritual gift is and becoming aware of, of personality traits that we have that we're not fully using and developing or skills that we have, but we don't sharpen. We don't get the training. We don't we don't read the books we need to read. We don't listen to the recordings that we need to listen to that would build our skills. So prayers it encompasses all of it. Good point. You know, Diana, you don't have to cite chapter and verse, but you take these principles and you take them into the marketplace of the world. And you find that they really resonate with people, don't you? I do. You know, even in my secular books, I've written uh, of those 46 books, uh, tw- I think 12 or 15, I haven't counted lately, uh, are specifically Christian books uh, published by Christian publishers. The rest are just secular books. But even in the secular books, I have people frequently who say, who will email me or just come up in a speech and say, are you a believer? <laughs> and I'll say, yes, that we have. why are you asking? And they'll say, well, I just thought that came through. And what I, my mission, when, when I've 
feel like that God calls me to write was to take the Christian message to the non-believing world. Because I don't think a lot of non-believers walk into a Christian bookstore. I don't think they purposely, I'm going to go get a Christian book Mm -hmm. on this, because they're not a believer. And so I think uh, to take the Christian worldview and values and just sneak them in, so to speak, (laughs) through through practical self-help books and business books so that people just subtly start looking at the world and through other issues through that biblical worldview, I think, is my mission. Well, it's a great strategy because all wisdom is God's wisdom to begin with. Right. What kind of uh, satisfaction, maybe is the right word, do you get from going into a group of people and then walking out after a day or two and thinking, I, I feel like maybe we, we accomplished something there? Uh, it's, it's a great satisfaction. It's a great satisfaction when somebody says, you know, well, you really changed my, changed my mind on that. Or, or when just somebody says, you, you've, you saved my marriage <laughs> when I talk on communication. And I talk about the differences in gender, how men and women communicate. When they say, you know, I went home and I used this principle, and I, my, my daughter is now back in college. I couldn't get her to stay in school, and I used this principle, and now she changed her mind. I mean, I had that one of my employees whose, whose daughter was working in a strip club, and she said, you know, I, I just want to bring her up here and, and let her talk to you and see what you did, and, and I, just, I just want to spend a couple hours. Could she just sit around and talk to you? and how you decided that you were going to go to school and what your life has been like. And then she was she came back to me in about a couple of weeks, and she said, my daughter's decided that she's going to quit that job at the strip club, and she wants to go back to college. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I didn't say anything particularly about, you know, you need to stop this, and you need to get in. This is a terrible job for you, and why aren't you a believer? And, you know, I just told her that I trust God for my decisions, and that's how I've always made decisions. And, you know, I just said, this is what I believe is right, and this is what I'm, you know, this is the path I went down. And this is just great satisfaction when you give people a different way to look at things. Mm-hmm. You've got a lot ahead of you, but looking back, any any regrets or second thoughts about what you chose, what you felt the Lord was asking you to do? Uh, not about the career. I just uh, wish there were more hours in the day. <laughs> uh, I, I want to get back to novel writing. I think you can move a lot of people through a story, uh, maybe even more so than um, nonfiction, and that's my direction now. I'm, I have one more book um, under contract now, another business book, and then I'm going to go back to some novel writing in the Christian arena. So maybe uh, I will. that would be a regret that I would uh, stick with more Christian books. What a helpful conversation today with Diana Boer as we learn to follow God's gifting and leading in our lives. If you'd like to go back over the things that Diana listed today, this program will be available for online listening at firstpersoninterview.com. Just click the listen button to replay today's interview. Again, firstpersoninterview.com. And on our Facebook page, we'll provide even more information about one of Diana's books, which I had the privilege of narrating as an audiobook. It's titled Your Signature Work, Creating Excellence and Influencing Others at Work. For more, go to facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. And coming up in the weeks ahead, we have some interesting guests scheduled whom I think you'll enjoy. Check out the schedule online at firstpersoninterview.com. 
Next week, a dad and his daughter join us to tell their story of adoption. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. We'll see you next week on First Person. First Person.